All right, everybody, Desmadre listeners, thank you so much for joining us for Desmadre podcast number 102. We have a, a special guest this week. We haven't done an interview with anybody in a while, but uh, that's only because we've been scared of getting out of the house. We didn't want to <laughs> infect ourselves. And uh, we've been looking for the right guest for all you guys, and I think we've found him. We have a young Mexican-American Doogie Hauser a childhood friend of Sammy's and um, Sammy's not going to be on this podcast, unfortunately. And that's because he's a little booty hurt because he's no longer part of this mother. That's why <laughs> <laughs> he got, he, Sammy got way too artsy. He's been kicked off. Um, no, he told me that you guys were supposed to hang out in December and you just fucking flaked. And <laughs> that's not true. What? actually that might be true he said he said, I did flake. he said you were supposed to go hang out with everyone in las colinas in texas and you just literally didn't yeah. show up yeah i uh i fell asleep, you fell asleep? that is true but that's that's actually uh that's that's, that's surprising coming from sammy because his ass will flake on everyone um pretty much like i would say nine out of ten times he will flake oh, <laughs> so yeah. To call somebody else out for flaking, that's low, man. That's low, low, low bro. <laughs> well, how? I'm I'm cracking open a beer here. I, actually, no, I'm drinking a, a. Okay, cheers. What are you drinking? Cheers. Uh, this is a this is a brewery in New York City called Evil Twins. It has this, it's like a sour blue raspberry beer. Oh, I thought that was a They're coronavirus. They're coming out with like some cool. <laughs> it looks cheers, like. Dude. A, Looks like the coronavirus. I'm drinking a LaCroix because. uh, (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) I'm trying to be fit right now. I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep my immune system at high, high, tip top condition. You know, just in case I get a little bit of the virus. You know, I want to be ready to fight. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Excited out. Um, But yeah, let me. Let me. How? uh, How long have you known Sammy? Uh, dude, since fucking, since I was 11 years old, I'm now 28. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. I met him uh, at William James. Um, I remember the first time I met him, uh, it was in band class. So, like, we were trying to all figure out, it was like the second or third day of band class, and we were trying to figure out, like, what instrument we were going to play. Uh-huh. And, uh, you skin know, flute. I was like, I, I didn't, what's up? The skin flute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still play that shit every day. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do. And, like, you know, the the band teacher was just making suggestions. He was like, oh, there's a guy that looks like you that's also kind of short and uh, is Mexican. He plays the tuba. His name is Sammy. Uh, would you be interested in playing the tuba? And I was like, sure, I guess. And then Sammy, like, walked by and he said, what's up? And I was like, okay, yeah, give me the tuba, let's do it. And I, <laughs> the it was like it was like bigger than me. I had to lug it on the on the bus every day. Um, yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's so you were you you were both in the sixth grade or what? Mm-mm. No, he was in the seventh grade. He's a year older than me. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, got it, got yeah, it. Yeah. And then you guys went to so you guys were at William James, which is a magnet school for nerds in Fort Worth. <laughs> And then you both went to Pascal? Is that the yeah, case? Yeah, we, exactly. We both went to Pascal. Um, yeah, and uh, so I, I moved to the suburbs um, 
like a good, you know, uh, assimilated Mexican American mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> in seventh and eighth grade. My mom got a job like in Dallas. Uh, my mom got a job in Dallas, and so we moved, and uh, that that actually sucked a lot. Uh, so I I, I went to uh, uh, public school in Capel, which is a suburb of Dallas, for two years. Then um, like I didn't like it. My mom didn't like it, and she was like, "Fuck this! So we're just gonna move back to Fort Worth." Mm. So then I, I, w- I went to uh, Pasco for for high school, thankfully. Got it. Got it. Were you guys like always little nerds, or were you guys like, did you guys start smoking weed pretty early on, or what? What was the? What were you guys like <laughs> in high school? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, so I remember whenever I went back to to Fort Worth. I was in, yeah, I had, like, a math class with Sammy. It was just, like, before he even, like, had his driver's license or his car. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, we would, like, randomly smoke weed. And then, like, Sammy started getting, like, super into weed, like, sophomore, junior year. Uh, <laughs> I'd, like, I, I don't know. Weed always made me super anxious as a high schooler, so. But you weren't that irresponsible. You were both kind of, like, you know, nerdy fucking Mexican Americans who eventually went to college and shit. Like, wait, where, how did that? Like, you, you where'd you go for undergrad? Where'd you go? Yeah. Like, I went to UT. I went to UT Austin. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. And what? What did? So, what was that? Why did you choose UT Austin? Like, what were your other options, or what were you thinking about back then? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it's 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 funny, like how uh, so, so my girlfriend. Um, you know, she uh, she's also a doctor. We met we met in medical school. Like she went to private school her whole life and went to Harvard College. And like where our high school experiences are are vastly different. Um, and yeah, I mean, like we I, I just remember like never trying that hard in high school. And I think we just had like a lot of support and a lot of like really good teachers and ended up uh, working out okay. Um, but uh, yeah, in ter- so in terms of um college so i i was like a national hispanic scholar uh mm-hmm. you know like the psat they like, you know, hell yeah like, brother <laughs> yeah there's, <laughs> there's like a national merit scholar and then like 10 points lower is national hispanic scholar <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so i got i got national hispanic scholar and uh and like i recruited by a bunch of these different colleges i remember i got a full ride to asu and like alabama places who were like fucking begging for diversity um, right. they were like yeah, yeah so you know i was actually like very close to going to asu um arizona state man you could have um, had all kinds of white girls there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i honestly i had i had no fucking clue what i was doing i had no idea what i was doing uh i was like you know i guess i should go to college like all my friends are going to like kind of more prestigious, you know, but we had a bunch of friends that went to NYU. I mean, Sammy went to Bates. Um, and uh, so I, I was pretty directionless and um, ended up choosing just to stay in Texas. Because uh, UT was like, the whole, the entire reason I was considering out of state was because UT rejected me um, because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're a pretty competitive school to get into. Yeah. Um, I know that like, uh, it's like the top, they had this top 10% rule where the top 10% of every public high school um, gets their pick of colleges. And so normally that's UT. And that fills up like 75% of their, mm-hmm. like their roster. And then they have to let all the out-of-state kids in. And so the people who were not in the top 10%, which I was, I was in like top 25. 
um, those people are kind of screwed. Like you, so I basically had to go to UT San Antonio for a year mm. in this special program they had called the Coordinated Admission Program. Um, make a certain GPA, take a certain take a certain number of hours, and then I guess uh, like get automatic admission to UT. So that's what I did. I actually ended up taking five years in college. Got it. And what you what did you do for your undergrad? Bio or bio hum bio or something or what did you do? Not dog, it's psychology. Oh okay, I didn't know yeah. that. Damn dude, you gonna fucking analyze me here? You gonna? <laughs> <laughs> nah. Um, yeah, just psychology. You know, it's kind of in line with. Uh, That's like bitch ass science. Yeah. That's like weak science. That's like science for people who can't fucking lift. <laughs> like hard stuff well that's you know that's what that's what i thought you know but it's a a pretty it's a pretty rigorous uh i mean at least scientifically rigorous Mm. uh you know uh, subject Mm. i mean it's like very research heavy and i ended up getting into research that way but yeah so i was like again kind of directionless i thought i wanted to do engineering and uh you know i was like i'm like there's no way in hell i'm smart enough for that uh so i ended up like avoiding all of these science classes and taking all these liberal arts classes and um so i was like you know what? i'm just gonna do psychology i'll just like i don't fucking know get a phd or something and maybe it'll, maybe it'll all work out uh yeah but uh yeah yeah so i did psychology um ended up like um gradually kind of proving to myself that i could do you know college level work and so yeah you know do, doing uh doing science, like hard, like hard science, like doing science pre-med stuff like that. It's always in the back of my mind. And so I like, once I got through like freshman, sophomore year, I was like, all right, we'll just fucking try it. And if I fail, I fail, but I think I'm ready for it. So yeah. Yeah. Nice, dude. That's crazy. And then you fucking went to Harvard for medical school. What, what made you decide to go to medical school? What, what did you think you wanted to do? You wanted to like, be a, a gynecologist or something or <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so i mean yeah you know I, I i don't know where this idea of becoming a doctor like got implanted into my brain but like it was always like just in the back of my head it was always the possibility um and it, i think i think it was like always the one thing i was most afraid to do yeah uh, yeah you know like to, to do pre-med and to try to go to, to, to medical school. Cause like, you know, my, like my mom went to college, but my mom went to college, uh, but like nobody else in my family really um, did uh, anything past high school. I mean, my uncle, my uncle eventually went to UNT, but he like moved to, he moved to Long Beach to go to community college <laughs> for Fort Warren. <laughs> Not a bad reason. I mean, you get yeah. it, you know. <laughs> so, you know, no, you know, I was like really, you know, uncharted waters, hardcore. And yeah. uh, I was like, there's no fucking way I can do this. But, you know, and so, so that's, that's really kind of the, it was like an internalized, like, uh, re- like number one, super low self-esteem internalized, like, yeah hatred like racism you know um thinking like i'm just a fucking moron like why nobody's ever gonna take me seriously uh and so, but you know i think college was good for me and that like you know there's it it a lot of you have a lot of time in college and so also you know i had a really good influences in, in high school growing up you know like yeah. sammy then um you know they were you know super motivated and um you know, they, I remember Ben, especially he kind of, you know, we, we all like, we kind of all grew up a little poor, but he was like, you know, I'm taking all these fucking loans to go to NYU. Like I better do yeah. pretty well. Otherwise, 
was wasting my money. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Like, even though, you know, even though I went to state school, like it's still a lot of money. And uh, that's kind of how I, that's, that's, that really helped me like approach college. Um, I thought the right way. Yeah. So I ended up uh, like really tightening things up, getting my shit together um, freshman, sophomore year and um, ended up yeah choosing to fucking do pre-med and um, yeah. Crazy. I think and it was, yeah. Now go ahead. No, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was something that I like, it seemed like the most unattainable thing. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to just fucking put my head down and just do work. Yeah. Work yeah. And you ended up at Harvard, but what, I mean, what, was that the ultimate goal or were you choosing between other places? Why did you end up at Harvard and what were you, what did you think you wanted to do? Like with that medical degree, like specialize in something specifically, or did you have any idea at that point or why Harvard? Um, so my ultimate dream is to become a weed doctor. That's probably mm, what I'll do. Nice. <laughs> it's like my ultimate dream is to have my own, uh, uh show on the E network where I'm a weed doctor. Kind of like the t- <laughs> yeah. kind of like the titty doctor, but I'm the weed doctor. <laughs> uh, so, um, shit. What was the question? Why Harvard? <laughs> like, what did you want to like oh, specialize yeah. in, or what was the reason? Yeah. Like, what was the thinking at that so, point? Yeah. 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 So after college, I moved to Boston uh, to work at Mass General. Um, it's like a research assistant, and. So I, um, it was, it was like a shit pay, but you know, pretty good. Uh, it was pretty, um, you know, like prestigious, you know, that the yeah. hospital is like, you know, uh, like the, it's the best hospital in the, in the country, you know, it's associated with Harvard medical school and it's a big research hospital. And so I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I did pre-med, I took the MCAT. Um, and so I, but I wasn't ready to apply to medical school yet. And so, um, I moved to Boston and got that job because it looks, it's just like a resume builder. Um, and then, you know, so I applied to medical school, um, ended up yeah, getting into Harvard and uh, a girlfriend at the time, you know, uh, we were living together. Um, you know, I liked my job. I was going to probably continue working in that lab. Um, and so it just made the most sense to stay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I thankfully had my pick of medical schools. You know, my mom, it was, my mom was very uh, excited that I got into UC Southwestern and was like, you can live at home. You know? like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, definitely not. <laughs> um, you know, and I got into some schools in California, uh, UCSF. Um, That's right. You got into Stanford, didn't you? No, I, Stanford. So Stanford and UPenn and Philly both waitlisted me. It was the only uh. two schools I didn't get into. I remember, cause I remember at the time you came and visited and you crashed with yeah. Sammy, right? Like, so that's when you were like applying to medical school. That was like six years yeah. ago or something or like? Um, 2015, 2014, 2015. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Five um, or six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So Stanford had this like really weird um, kind of a draconian uh, interview system. It was called the MMI, multiple mini interview. Hmm. And it's like, they were like eight like 10 minute interviews <clears throat> but they weren't actually interviews it was like you had to you had like a partner who was also applying to medical school you had like a partner like a task so you had a partner and they were you were looking at a picture and you had to tell them how to draw this thing you were looking at it was shit like that oh um, weird and uh, as like uh you know as as somebody who um you know number one like never grew up in, in an environment like that and number two like always kind of felt like well, I don't fucking belong here anyway. 
I just freaked out. I don't think I really handled that interview that well. Mm. Um, and uh, so <laughs> I didn't get into Stanford. Sorry to bring up a bad memory. I didn't. <laughs> I totally yeah, forgot. Fuck Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you went to Harvard. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, all right, so you went to Harvard, and then you finished what a year ago? Like it's going to be a year ago, or was this? Is this your? Yeah, I your... finished. I finished. Yeah, about a year ago. Um, yeah, graduated 2019, um, and uh, my girlfriend and I uh, matched um, in, here in New York uh, at a at a at a large academic medical center. Um, that's uh, it's I, it's an Ivy League medical center. I don't know if I can say like what because so uh, the the hospital that we work for is like yeah. they're kind of. Uh, they're like they're kind of strict about like social media, media and yeah, yeah. like that, especially during COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I will say that it's a large academic medical center in <clears throat> New York City. Yep. Um, and uh, so we we couples matched here, which means, <clears throat> I mean, so so anybody familiar with like uh, uh, medicine knows that after medical school you match into residency. Yep. <clears throat> and. Um, it's uh you know like you rank all these places you interview at and they rank you and then yep. you get this algorithm uh so you can also choose a couples match and this girl is uh when I, I was dating for like about a year um also you know we were both set on, on you know going to new york and we decided to do it um so we couples match and we match at the same institution so she's an internal medicine doctor mm. um and uh yeah we've been here for the better part of a year now we live together um and you know intern year has just been fucking wrecked by covid <laughs> yeah yeah which is the main one of the big reasons why i wanted to talk to you obviously i mean um so she's she's internal medicine and what what were you specifically doing for your for your residency is there a spe specialty or what are you yeah yeah i'm i'm uh doing anesthesiology mm. got it got it which turns out is a big need for if you're intubated and all this stuff, right? It turns out, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, the the usually like in a hospital, the emergent intubations, um, uh, which you know normally like any, anyway, the emergent intubations uh, in a hospital are handled by anesthesia. Yeah, and so yeah. In COVID, um, somebody's going downhill and you know needs to be intubated. That's anesthesia shows up and, and we do it and we can, we intubate and then just drop the mic and leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, damn, let, let's take a step back. Like, so you're in New York city for the last year. You probably thought dope. I'm going to be in New York city. I'm going to be like a doctor. I'm going to be like living, you know, obviously being a resident is not exactly, you're not like making the big bucks yet, but at least you're in New mm -hmm. York city, you get to do some fun stuff and whatever. And then some motherfucker eats a bat somewhere and starts a chain reaction <laughs> that leads us to this podcast basically um yeah. like what what do you um when did you first hear about like this novel coronavirus like when was the first time it kind of popped up on your radar like you know yeah i mean i, I think similar to everyone like back in the end of 2019 you know i was heard about some shit happening in wuhan china you know and um before then like I was like, what, what, the, where, what the hell is Wuhan? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I later learned it's a city bigger than New York. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I heard about that then. And, you know, it was, it was very, uh, kind of like, uh, similar to Ebola. I, you know, I was like, okay, there's a new virus, like it's really far away. 
probably going to be a couple of cases here and in the U.S. and like, then we'll be done with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you yeah. know about Corona? I mean, I know in your when you were doing your research stuff, you were working on a lot of kind of crazy like gene genetic research. You were doing some CRISPR stuff and like, so you're yeah. kind of a big nerd head in terms of all this stuff, but. I mean, to like the layman, like what exactly is a coronavirus and what makes this one different from others that, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so coronavirus basically just, it describes the, like the, 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 the morphology of the virus. Like it literally, it has all these little, so basically let's back up. A, a virus is uh, uh, some sort of genetic material in, encapsulated in protein. And uh, that protein can be, just a, like a bare protein or it can be coated in lipids. Um, so like for instance, HIV, uh, I think is, uh, is coated in a, in a lipid. Um, and uh, that's just like, that's kind of, you know, details about viruses basically. But um, coronavirus is, uh, I think it's RNA, single strand RNA in a protein capsule with like all of these little spikes on, on it on the surface mm -hmm. and so it looks like a crown basically um, yeah. that's why it's coronavirus um, as far as like specifics I mean <clears throat> there are a, a shit ton of different types of coronaviruses that we you know routinely test for in the hospitals so if somebody comes in with you know flu-like symptoms and they're sick enough to be admitted to the hospital just swab them real quick and uh, then we just send like a panel and to test for like flu um, you know, rhinovirus and coronavirus. And there's, I think, like four different ones we test for mm -hmm. traditionally. Um, and they're all like generally pretty mild respiratory illnesses. Um, but, uh, you know, there are, there are a couple that are pretty severe. And so SARS, SARS-1, um, that's also a coronavirus. And so that's why, um, you know, the, this specific virus in the labs referred to as SARS uh, dash COVID two because it's SARS coronavirus two um, mm -hmm. that's so it's it's new and like I think uh, shit was derived from like the, you know pangolins or some shit were mm -hmm. like the, the host just mm -hmm. I mean it's it's uh, you know there's there's some pretty interesting literature out there uh, like on on PubMed and you know and like in the in the medical literature about like like from from like ten years ago yeah really warning that like these these wet markets. Um, you know, are, you know, they're really breeding grounds and like the best interface for animals and humans, uh, the con you know, uh, transmission of respiratory illnesses like, like COVID, specifically SARS, uh, yeah. which is pretty nuts. Yeah. You said pangolin? What, 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 that, that's like a weird, like, it looks like a fucking like armadillo or something. Like it's a weird it ass. Like armadillo. Like, yeah. 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 I have an idea for a restaurant. It's called Pangolin Express. Do you think that'll do well? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have the logo. Uh, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Depends on your demographic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've been cooking up some mad stir fry with this shelter in place. And this ideas <laughs> yeah. are just like, what could I do here? And it just hit me one day. Pangolin Express. It's, it's going to blow up. You'll see. You'll I'm see. Sure there's a lot of people who are thinking about, you know, awesome business ideas like you in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm basically like the, you know, the Colonel Sanders of the Mexican American um, Latinx, uh, you know, contingency. That that's gonna be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The 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 Roy Crocker, what is his name? The, the guy who started McDonald's. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. 
Okay. So when did you, when did you, when did you start thinking, wow, this might be like a threat to New York city? When did it seem like it might be like something serious coming to you guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was actually on vacation in Italy. Um, oh fuck. You were in one of the other <laughs> shithole places that like got, <laughs> yeah. wait, when was this like January, yeah, so, February or <laughs> this is the very end tail end of February. So, uh, my girlfriend and I, we, you know, thankfully, uh, so, I mean, in residency, um, you know, there's this like governing body called the ACGME. Um, they kind of set all the rules. And so we have to have, we have to have four weeks of vacation. Um, and, you know, we don't really ever get to, we we have our preferences, but we don't ever get to like say 100%, I'm going to be on vacation this week. Um, mm -hmm. Thankfully though, we had uh, one of our vacations matched up. And so we were like, you know, let's just go to Italy, dude. Um, and so it was like, February 22nd to the 29th or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this coronavirus shit was like, they, it was, it started gaining momentum mid February. And, um, you know, we were like, okay, let's still go. Uh, which was, I think the right, right decision still. Um, and yeah, I mean, it started, shit started getting out of control. Like our second day in Italy, we we're in Rome and we we're, we had plans to go to, um, Think like Venice and uh, down south of Pompeii, but um, yeah, it's like the cases started spiraling out of control, um, and we actually bounced from uh, from Rome after like five days to Barcelona, mm. um, and another hot spot. Our, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we were, you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's when we it started really like you know kind of affecting us, but uh, you know, we had like we didn't really think that, um, you know, it would turn out like this. And so went to Barcelona for a couple of days, came back and, uh, you know, we checked our work email and they were like, anybody has been to Italy or China, especially like, let us know, uh, cause you might have to quarantine. And so we obviously hit them up and, um, yeah, so we had to, we had to, we had to isolate, basically two weeks after our last day in Italy. So we got like an, an extra week of vacation. Basically. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. At home. Tight. at home. Yeah. It was, yeah. At home. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it, we had to stay home obviously, but uh, it was, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, what was, what are, what is normally kind of your routine in New York city look like? Where, like, where do you live in reference to, where you work and like, do you have to get in the subway? Like, what is that kind of day-to-day -day normal stuff like for you? I live in this building. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called Trump Tower. Uh, Dope. I live here. <laughs> yeah. uh, I live, uh, <laughs> but we, you know, so our, our institution um, is in Manhattan. So we live in the Upper East Side. Um, and uh, we li actually live in, it's, it's hospital housing, the, the hospital, mm. um, it's uh, it's like mildly subsidized, uh, and so uh, it's a pretty nice building. You know, so we have a doorman. It's it's pretty tight. Um, you know, it's actually pretty affordable for two people living in a one bedroom. Um, so we live here, and uh, you know, it's like two blocks away from the hospital. Uh, so it. depending on like what rotation I'm on, I wake up uh, like five minutes before work, put some scrubs <laughs> on, walk to work. Got it. And so like, what is the normal rotation? What, what would that look like? Or what was that like for you in the fall? Or like before all this started? Like, yeah, in the fall. So, you know, anesthesia is kind of unique, because, um, you know, as interns, 
the next intern is like a first year resident. So mm -hmm. um, we uh, we do different rotations throughout the hospital and different services. So um, and then and then our second year residency, we start actual dedicated anesthesia. Got so it. we do we do like three months of anesthesia, do three months of surgery, uh, a month of internal medicine, um, and like emergency room, and then like some various ICU rotations. So in the fall, I was doing surgery, um, or I was I was on general surgery as an intern. So um, you know basically just managing post-op patients uh, on the surgical ward. Uh, what does that doing, actually mean, know, like physically? Like, what are you doing? Like, what is a standard case or kind of a typical yeah. case? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So basically, I'm just like uh, I'm fucking sitting at a computer all day. Um, <laughs> 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 not not so much different from uh, you know other jobs, but basically, so there's a, there's a surgical floor at the hospital, and right. you have you have patients who uh, you know have just had surgery um, or you know are admitted uh, because they're kind of watchers for surgery. Um, and, uh, you know, so they'll go to the OR, come back and, you know, they'll need like, uh, they, they'll just need like routine post-op care. So pain management, um, you know, a lot of like GI surgery. So like advancing their diet, you know, from like clear liquids to finally eating, mm. um, what else, you know, antibiotics, if they have really bad infection, um, stuff like that. Pretty, pretty routine stuff. Um, but you know, remember uh the colorectal service people can get pretty sick uh, hmm. yeah Got that's, it. that's general surgery it, that the hours are you know it, it's it's pretty rough uh because um you know it's we work like 14 or was it 12 days in a row and then have two days off um and uh you know you have like surgical patients are overall pretty simple but the volume is super high. So we mm. have on, on our list, I would, I would personally be taking care of like 20 patients, which was pretty overwhelming sometimes. Oh, shit. Okay. So that was the fall. And then what, what did you start doing in January or kind of right before all this? Yeah. January, I was in the, what the, I was like in the, I was in the neonatal ICU, I believe. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. So neonatal ICU, um, it's just a rotation we do. It's basically taking care of like sick, uh, like newborn babies. Yeah. And I was in the, um, the pediatric ICU after that. Gotcha. And is that kind of what you were going to be expected yeah. to be doing when you got back from Italy or continue to do, uh, pediatrics or. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we do, um, we do like, I think two weeks of, it's called the NICU and two weeks of the PICU. So it's a total mm. of one month. Um, so I was doing that, uh, did like uh, a couple of weeks of ENT. Um, mm. and, and then at the end of February, like when I came back from vacation, that's when I was supposed to start internal medicine, um, which kind of coincided with uh, things getting kind of out of control here. Yeah. Yeah. When did you guys get your first kind of case? I mean, I'm guessing there was already a case when you got back from vacation there, right? Like there, there was, there was one, there was, I mean, you know, as, there was one confirmed case, you know, yeah. like the data now says that like this had been spreading since like mid to early February yeah. um, throughout, throughout New York city. But so when we got back, there was one case in Manhattan uh, and this person was like self quarantining at home. Um, so, you know, my, uh, I only, I, I actually only missed one day of uh, medicine. Um, and uh, basically, so my, my, 
you know, the, the second day of medicine for me, we, it was like a standard internal medicine rotation. You know, we had people with like heart failure, with pneumonia, um, things like that. Um, and it was kind of routine. But then the second week, uh, that's when, I mean, yeah, like things like, so yeah, it's kind of surprising, you know, like we got, we got back to the U.S., one case, then like in the span of like just a little bit over a week, you know, the entire hospital turned into like a COVID hospital. Fuck. I mean, what did that kind of like, what, what describe like what, like those first few days were like when you started getting like a few, you know patients and yeah. kind of things started accelerating for you guys yeah so you know there were you know the um it, it's uh mainly the internal medicine department that's been like getting the the bulk of all these cases or like that started getting on the bulk of these cases mm-hmm. and so um you know they were like they were very prepared for it so they had you know um kind of a dedicated service for it already they were um you know basically it was like a covid team mm-hmm. um and uh, so that was already in place but uh you know that quickly got overwhelmed i remember you know we so there was one covid team and then um out of like there's probably like i'd say 10 different internal medicine services there's like renal there's like a liver service there's and there's like five or seven general medicine services that handle like basically everything I was talking about. So is that, when you say service, um, is that like a team or what, what do you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A team, a team. Okay. So, um, and, uh, you know, so we had, you know, the expected kind of like, yeah, we have like 10 cases here and that's, uh, being handled by the, the new team, uh, the COVID team that's, that's here. And, uh, yeah, they, they like allotted, uh, staff, um, you know, and then attending residents, interns, that team, um, but yeah, after a couple of days, you know, shit just exploded. And so, you know, uh, a lot of other general medicine teams got turned into dedicated COVID teams and um, ours was like kind of in the middle. So by the time that our team got, uh, you know, turned into a COVID team, I think there were four other teams that had been created and uh, we were up next, uh, but like it was expected to happen like two weeks uh two weeks like later mm-hmm. but um the like the day that um that like we were kind of like we that we were told we were like on deck to get to become a covid team next and say like, you know expected like in a couple of weeks or something uh, the day after that we became a covid team because the hospital was just pretty overwhelmed um and so my first covid patient uh was like probably mid march mm-hmm. um early to mid march uh it was like a, this like 65 year old dude, otherwise pretty healthy, um, just like randomly got sick, febrile at home. Uh, he was like a teacher at Juilliard. He like made his own shoes and stuff. He's a really nice hmm. dude. Um, but uh, so it was like a pretty, that was a pretty mild case. He was super scared. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd never dealt with anybody with COVID before. Um, and, uh, and then like, just, they just started pouring in. Man. So how many, how many like COVID patients would get assigned for each of these teams? Like what's the. Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, typically on these, on these, uh, these teams are, um, it seems to have like, uh, so it was an attending at the top. who was like mm-hmm. a supervising doctor. Yep. There's, uh, there's two residents. Um, and then there are two interns and each of those interns handles like, uh, any, probably like 
actually max eight, eight to nine patients. Um, and so that's what we would do. But uh, they quickly like expanded the, um, uh, the capacity. So I think now each team is like, uh, I don't know, something like 30. So I think like, I don't know, the 10 to 15 patients that intern handles. Um, and wow. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, th- th- I mean, you kind of described like the first case being relatively mild or whatever, like, can you tell us like, okay, so what does that mean in terms of like actual like symptoms and whatnot? What is like the mild case? And then we'll say like, what's kind of yeah. like, what's a bad case that somebody recovers and then what's like a really bad case. So what's a kind of a mild case? Somebody shows up with these symptoms, you do this yeah. and then they're, you know, yeah, I mean, so mild cases, you know, those people mostly stay home. Um, you know, you you have any like any sort of like fever or shortness of breath, um, cough, dry cough. You know, chances are you probably have COVID. Um, as long as you you can like eat and drink, you know, breathe fine, you're good to stay home. That's that's like a mild case. Uh, people who are a little bit sicker, who like you know have problems breathing at home. Um, or, you know, people who are a little bit more savvy and have this thing called a pulse oximeter, which basically measures, um, the oxygen saturation in your blood. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's low at home, they, they come in and, um, you know, they get supplemental oxygen. And so that's like a moderate case and they'll, they'll need like basal cannula or something called a non-rebreather, which is just like a mask and, uh, you know, obviously continuous monitoring. And those people are pretty tenuous because they can go one of two directions uh, and they can get bad pretty quickly. Yeah. So that's a moderate case. And severe is like, you know, they look terrible. They're in respiratory distress when they come in, breathing fast, their oxygen sat's low on like maximal non-invasive support. They seem to be intubated and go to the ICU. That's a severe case. Yeah. Yeah. And what, I mean, out of kind of, I'm, you're getting basically probably at that, at this point or late March or whatever, you know, you're getting the severe cases, right? Cause it's so, you guys are so strapped that you're only, or what's the, I mean, are you, do you have some kind of mild to severe cases where you're just kind of giving people like, you know, the oxygen support or what's the, Oh, nice. <laughs> He's sharing his cat with me. How's she doing? I met that cat before. Yeah. Yeah. She's good, man. She's uh, chilling. She's very, Oh, very nice. Very nice. She's still, she's still fat. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, you know, we, it, it depends on the setting. So, you know, I'm in the ICU now. I'm at a, so our, our institution has a affiliate a cancer hospital um, and it's across the street. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we rotate in the ICU there. And so basically now um, the patients there are, Patients with an underlying malignancy who also have COVID uh, mm. to come in. This is like their primary hospital to get care. Um, on, at, at, uh, the other, at my main institution, um, just on the regular medical floor, um, you know, we get, it's, it's like mild to severe, you know, like I think, I think uh, because, so the ICUs got full very quickly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the hospital had to like very quickly, uh, and they've actually done it. It's like a surprisingly phenomenal job of this, but expanding our capacity for ICU level care, because that's ultimately like what determines if somebody dies or not, you know, if they yeah. get intubated, if they have a ventilator available. Um, so our ORs are now ICUs. Um, you know, they, we, we like 
discharged or transferred all the uh, the pediatric patients to another hospital. So the the uh, pediatric ICU is now an adult ICU. It's just like um, it's pretty great. So you know, on the regular floor though, um, you know, we have like moderate to severe cases. But you know, if they if they're really tanking, then they need to be intubated and go to the ICU basically. Um, but we we have like we have kind of broadened our, our, our scope of care um, on the regular floor just because ICU beds are so precious now. Uh, yeah. So we have people who would usually be in the ICU on the floor, but they're still, you know, getting the appropriate level of care. It's just, um, you know, just kind of like based on resources, but it's, uh, it's actually surprising, you know, like how, how well people can do uh, without intubation. Mm. Um, but still like a lot of them still need to be intubated. Yeah. Well, what was it like for you that kind of this first week or two where, I mean, where I would have been fucking freaking out. Like, were you just kind of like worried about yourself personally, like in terms of like catching it or like, how's the whole situation? There's been a lot of talk obviously about not yeah. having enough PPE and all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, another shout out to my hospital. Um, you know, they, they, uh, there's never been a shortage thankfully. And, Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how they did it, you know, maybe like wealthy donors or whatever, but, um, you know, they, and also my program has been like really supportive. And, um, I know, I know that like, uh, so we, we initially had to conserve our PPE, but there was still enough, you know, like yeah. you, you had to get like one in one in 95 a day, which is still, you know, some, we use them typically for patients with like TB with tuberculosis. Yeah. And after going in the room, uh, you know, we just toss them in the trash. That's like single use. Yeah. So we still were like conserving, um, but uh, we were able to get new ones every day. And um, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what was the actual question? Yeah, I mean, were you worried about yourself? <laughs> like, I mean, what oh, was yeah, that yeah, me- yeah. mentally? So, what was it yeah. like going into that? Like yeah. dealing with it every day, and like, what other precautions have you had to take? You know, day to day and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, was I? I don't really. I don't know. It's just something I talk about with my therapist a lot. Like, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I was super concerned about myself. You know, I, I think I like, I think I kind of wanted to to get it that way. I, I knew I would be immune. Yeah. Um, obviously I was still taking the appropriate precautions, but you know, I was like, you know, if I get sick, I get sick. It's kind of like, I'm doing my job. Um, and, uh, that's kind of, that's just like a uh, shit, man. It's like collateral damage from being a doctor. You know, it's like, I, I signed up to do this. Um, yeah, but I still, you know, took seriously the appropriate precautions and everything. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, um, oh yeah, we had enough PPE. Um, I think I was like kind of, yeah, I was like excited, you know, like this is, this is like our, you know, I was like, this is it, man. It's kind of like where I was it's my job, you know, it's, yeah. like a, it's a one yeah. time I'm like 100% essential. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, so yeah, part of it was like excitement. You know, I think I, I think I thrive in, um, uh, chaos a little bit. And, um, <clears throat> especially as an anesthesiologist, like, you know, we're trained to just fucking deal with emergencies all the time. So, yeah. um, that's, uh, that's like my bread and butter. Um, but uh, you know the, the 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 emotional part of it was not prepared for. So, you know the, the one limitation of uh, caring for patients with COVID is that we can't give them 
it's called non-invasive positive pressure ventilation. So things like CPAP and BiPAP, we can't give that to them uh, because it aerosolizes viral particles right. uh, and puts the entire floor at risk. Even if they're in like a negative pressure room, that we still don't do it. So they're on like, um, you know, they would have to basically go from like nasal cannula, which is you know the minimal support you can get, to intubation, and that's like a huge leap. Um, yeah. And normally, if somebody's in respiratory failure, you try nasal cannula, try a mask, try high flow nasal cannula, try CPAP, BiPAP, and then go to intubation. But really, we were doing nasal cannula, mask, tube. Um, and so, not only was it like surprising to us, uh, but you know, think about like me or you in the hospital, just on like, you know, have having like a like two plastic prongs in your nose, a little bit short of breath and your oxygen levels like just below the threshold and being told you need intubation, you need to be sedated, paralyzed, taken to the ICU, um, put, you know, put in a coma essentially. Um, it's really scary, you know? And yeah. I remember the first patient I told that to, um, he lost his shit, you know, and he looked super, he looked terrible. He looked awful. Um, and, uh, you know, he was like, really struggling to breathe and uh his oxygen levels were low and uh he was on kind of maximum support um but we thankfully like that guy ended up not getting intubated and he ended up going home uh, hmm. which was incredible hmm. but having those conversations with people who were like otherwise healthy it's it's really like it's pretty emotionally um taxing for, for yeah. everyone you know? yeah 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 i mean that's that's what i was going to ask too like i mean what what sort of training do you get for that side of it in terms of like, you know, having those talks and it seems like you said, like you yeah. kind of went from zero to a hundred <laughs> within your training. Like, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like how did, did you, did you, yeah, did you I, I mean, you know, like that or I mean, yeah. 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 So, you know, um, thankfully COVID patients aren't the only people who need to be intubated and like have, you know, intensive care. So, you know, we, we, we have, um, you know, training in medical school uh, for, like, giving bad news and stuff. Um, yeah. So I feel like that, you know, that prepared me as, you know, as much as any medical student can be prepared. But I feel like, you know, we, as interns, like, have just had to grow up fast, you know, um, because, uh, you know, we, we can't, you got to have these conversations with everyone, you know, um, who comes to the hospital because they basically nobody's coming to the hospital unless they have COVID. <clears throat> so, um, and intubation is always a, like a real risk. So having these like very, you know, frank conversations with people um, about like, okay, you're, you know, especially at this cancer hospital, you know, like you're 65, you have metastatic pancreatic cancer, um, you know, you're, you have other, you know, you have diabetes, you have heart disease, you know, you, um, uh, you're, you're, you're debilitated at home and like you can't eat, you know, we're, you know, we got to yeah. talk about like, it really is intubation, like the best route for you, you know, because you know, those are resources, medical resources that we can use for somebody who is 30 and has no medical yeah. history. Um, so having those conversations, um, you know, it's definitely, it's obviously within our scope as doctors, but, um, you know, we just, it's, it's, yeah, it's been accelerated. Um, so yeah, we, we had appropriate training, but you know, it's, it's just happening. Uh, we're, like I said, we're just growing up very, very fast. I feel like. 
Yeah. Yeah. How have your, how has the rest of your cohort, like other, uh, other residents and interns that you're with, like been handling it? Have them, have people cracked? I mean, have you felt like days when you'd be like, holy <laughs> shit, you know, like, I don't know if I can keep doing this or, you know. Um, I personally have been all right. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's draining to fucking do the same thing every day. Um, you know, basically, you know, uh, you have all these patients who just blend together and that's a real issue for everyone. It's like, everybody yeah. is the same. It seems like, and so everybody's like 60, everybody has like diabetes or hypertension or just really not, you know, just kind of, they're, they've been, they're stable. You know, they like have really no active medical problems. They come in with COVID, you know, and they're like kind of towing the line between staying on the floor or going to the ICU. Um, and, uh, so I've, it's, it's like, it's exhausting to do the same thing every single day, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, part, part of me just wants to like do some real medicine now, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, other people, I mean, I, I think, yeah, especially, um, uh, my more senior residents, uh, it's really, that's, it's pretty taxing on them. I think they, you know, cause they're basically, at least in, in internal medicine where I just came from, uh, you have two interns and a supervising resident. Um, and that resident, you know, like checks orders, they make sure they, they basically do just make sure everything is, is going okay. Yeah, it, it makes sure like things are safe, basically. Um, and then their the resident supervision is attending. And so it, I think it's very, um, it's pretty exhausting for the residents. To, you know, if patients blend together for us, you know, as interns to see these patients multiple times a day, um, they're going to blend together for the, for the residents. And that's just like, I know, my girlfriend was telling me, um, you know, some of her senior residents are just like visibly depressed and, you know, have said like, I'm super depressed. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been hard on everyone. Yeah. 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 I mean, and what is it inevitably, I'm guessing you've been exposed to people who have passed from this and who haven't made it out. I mean, yeah. what has that been like? I'm guessing you hadn't seen a lot of that up until now. Like what, what is, I mean, yeah, I think it just makes me afraid for my family, ultimately. Uh, you know, my grandfather, I, you know, he's like 71, otherwise pretty healthy. I got him like an Instacart account, which he has not used yet. He's like still growing grocery shopping. Uh, but he like, he goes grocery shopping. He lives in like Wedgwood. Um, <laughs> in Fort Worth, and, yeah. And uh, he's like, I, I, yeah, yeah. He was like, I go to the Albertsons on University. It's okay. I'm like, God damn it, dude. Just stay home. Stay your ass home. Yeah. Because, you know, you see people who, yeah, man, they, they die from COVID. And I, I haven't been, you know, my, my, um, my ICU exposure to COVID patients has been in the setting of, uh, cancer patients. Mm. Um, but, uh, so I haven't been, I haven't been in the regular medical ICU. Um, but so, yeah, I've seen a lot of patients die from this and I know, um, a lot of you know, some of the patients I've taken care of on the regular medical floor, I transferred to the ICU, they've died, which is really sad. And then some of them are young and otherwise healthy. And, you know, I talk to their families and, you know, I just have to tell them like, we need to intubate your dad because he's not breathing well and he's getting worse. And, you know, people just break down and uh, it sucks. Um, you know, and I just, I get reminded of my own family and it makes me very scared, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I remember my last like week on medicine, uh, basically like all black and brown people on our list. I, I, I have like, I have like five people from Columbia, um, 
mm. and uh, like two black pages. It was, it was, it's, it's very interesting. There was like a, I wonder if like Latino people have some sort of <laughs> like predisposition to get really sick from this because there was a sh like, it, I had, it was not just like poor Latino people. It was like this one dude who was super rich, yeah, um, who also was doing pretty poorly. I don't know. That's just that's conjecture, and probably should not even say that. But uh, it was surprising the the degree of uh, uh, people of color uh, that yeah. were in the hospital. Yeah. yeah, there's been a lot made of that. I mean, and typically the the theory is that you know, kind of what you kind of pointed to there, which is interesting. You're saying they they weren't all kind of lower income, but the, the theory is that you know, socioeconomically, they're just kind of more predisposed to it. Not only like because of pre-existing conditions, but because of the fact that maybe they have jobs where they have to be out in public and they're not yeah. able to shelter in place. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they don't have the luxury of doing um, a job like that where they can work from home. And so you're just out there and you're going to get exposed to it and you maybe have some other stuff, whether it's diabetes or high blood pressure and whatnot. And they just kind of yeah. perfect fucking storm. Um, yeah, man, that's crazy. I mean, well, what do you think of like, I mean, it seems like, that have you noticed it kind of tapering off there where you are or does it seem just as kind of yeah um i yeah i, I think yeah it, it has been tapering off i mean you know so i'm uh i'm in icu now and i i think uh like i've said five fucking million times I feel like i'm <laughs> uh but yeah we have we have let like we have a lower volume of emissions now i think my girlfriend um who's on uh just regular medicine now yeah, she's now getting patients who were transferred from the ICUs, and so they're getting less admissions from the emergency department. Um, mm. So yeah, it's it's slowing down for sure uh, in terms of like the incidence of cases, but uh, the hospital is still you know fucking packed to the gills with COVID patients, and now it's just like trying to take care of the people that are there and uh, you know de-escalating care, which is going to take a really long time. Yeah, it. I've heard you know people are on ventilators for weeks, right? I mean, what's the kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's pretty nuts too. So you know these patients like their lungs are going to break for a really long time, and you know seven to ten days is kind of what I tell all of my patients' families and patients. Um, and that's kind of what we've been saying. But yeah, some patients now like need to be on the the ventilator for like two weeks, and you know after you know after fourteen days of being intubated, like that's you're a candidate for something called a tracheostomy, which is like you're being intubated from your, your neck. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people have been trached for this. Um, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, they need a lot of, a lot of support and a lot of, uh, long-term ICU stays. Yeah. I've heard some people even get put on uh, what is it called? Like an EMOC or like a, Oh, ECMO, ECMO, ECMO. ECMO. Yeah, ECMO. yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, I, I know at uh, Columbia, they've done that a couple of times. They haven't done that here, um, but that's, yeah, that's an option. Basically, ECMO is called extra, extra corporeal, it's like, ex, you know, outside the body, extra corporeal membrane oxygenation, um, yeah. which basically is just like a, it's, kind of, it's like a portable uh, heart and lung machine. Yeah. Um, similar. Yeah. It's not, it's not unlike uh, bypass. Uh, yeah. Like whenever somebody has uh, cardiac surgery and needs to go on bypass. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so it's like a heart and lung machine. But basically, it just it's it's used when the lungs don't work very well. Yeah. Um, but we haven't done that here that much. Uh, but that's definitely an option. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. crazy, man. That is crazy. I mean, what do you? I mean, it, it's just crazy that you happen to be like in the, you know, the eye of the storm there, and 
I feel like <laughs> yeah. maybe like some folks in other parts of the country who haven't been witness to it. I mean, what's the other part of like, I mean, your day to day, I mean, outside of work, do you just pretty much just go home, right? Like you can't do shit else in New York City right now, right? Or what's your day to day been like? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I have a, I have a, thankfully I have a Pornhub premium subscription, um, <laughs> that I, uh, ha- <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've, I've just, yeah, I, you know, we, I, thankfully we live like two blocks away from the hospital and we come home and, um, you know, I've been getting, uh, like grocery delivery and, you know, sometimes I'll venture out to the, man, this fucking thing crashed on me again. My bad. Damn, bro, you got some wretched-ass internet. I, I do, man. You know I live in the mountains. I, li- I don't know if you know where I live. I live in the mountains. This is like the worst, yeah. in- worst internet any- everywhere, anywhere. So you said you get, you're getting your grocery delivery and, and like... Yeah, yeah. sometimes I'll go to the... I'll like venture out to the Union Square Farmer's Market because they have some good stuff there. And But actually now they're starting to, they're starting to deliver some of the farms there. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I like to cook a lot, so it's been good for, for me and my girlfriend. Like, we just cook a shit ton, and, um, yeah, that's basically it. I mean, so we're, we're living in New York and paying a shit ton of money to just go to work and go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a fucking bummer, man. I mean, what, what, is your, what do your folks think of your mom, man? Like, what have, they, what have they been saying? Like, have they been checking in with you every day? Like, I'm, like, in the forest in the safest place ever, and my mom's like, I'm worried about you. You're by yourself. I'm like this is perfect. Like, I don't know. Well, like I can't imagine what my mom would be like if I was like a doctor in New York city. Like, how are you? yeah, she's, my mom is, uh, yeah. I mean, she, um, is kind of, uh, always growing up. She's always very, you know, my mom and I are close and, um, she constantly wants me to come back to Texas and, you know, she's, so, you know, she's always checking in on me basically. And yeah, yeah. You know, she, she started, she started doing this thing where she, tells me to have a good day in the morning she texts me yeah um yeah which is very nice uh and you know we talk on the phone a lot and like my my uh, otherwise you know, so my mom's been really in touch with me and my family otherwise has been really supportive um you know they uh they send they keep sending me masks which i tell them to stop <laughs> like, oh, that's funny. i have enough fucking masks <laughs> uh and they they keep sending us goggles i'm like all right guys please just save this for yourself because we have plenty yeah um it's really <laughs> nice it's really really nice of them um and uh yeah i mean like sending me like gift cards to whole foods and stuff i mean they're they're great um, oh, that's nice yeah. yeah yeah man yeah so my family's very supportive you know thankfully i think i think i think um what i what i wanted to say is my mom like you know she's i'm, I'm only a child so spoiled as shit uh my mom's been like very protective growing up and uh you know, I, I think she is probably very scared, but um, I think part of it's like just being a, a regular Latino mother is bad at expressing feelings, but also, <laughs> but also uh, uh, just like she's kind of she's been good at like giving me space and like knowing that I'm fucking overwhelmed and trying to not overwhelm me with like hey you know be careful etc and i think she also just trusts me to to do my job correctly which is nice yeah she must be proud of you though i hope so i think she is yeah yeah no that's awesome man that's fucking awesome um so um is kim jong-il uh, alive or what like- <laughs> dude i don't know i've been checking that like daily yeah i want i want to know 
apparently he's been posted up in like a resort town for a week. They like, it's so crazy how they figure out where he is. They like satellite spy his train. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. and he also gets around via train. That's crazy. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah that's that's like the most like inconspicuous way like like that you could ever yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah yeah there's a fucking rail hey you must be somewhere near the fucking rail you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he doesn't have a car he doesn't like have a personal driver and now he has a train he's he's getting around by the fucking amtrak nice <laughs> um have you watched uh, yeah, Tiger? I, I don't know yeah, dude, Tiger King. I um, yeah, Tiger King was good. I mean, it's you know you're watching it and like you want uh, you want Joe Exotic to to win because he's like the he's the good he's the best guy at, in that show I think. And but ultimately, <laughs> I mean, I think you come out of it, you come back to reality, and you're like, wait, all of them are fucking pieces of shit. Fuck all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I felt like that 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 show is like the perfect. It captures the Trump era in some weird way, and it's like just trash people who are kind of like stupid, yeah. but they want to yeah. be famous and they think they're doing a good thing. They think they're like changing the world and like they think they're on some other level, but it, it's just all like really trashy and it's all like just a fucking yeah. train wreck. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Those people are fucking despicable, man. Um, but uh yeah i've been uh what have you been watching otherwise um i recently just well because i live in a shitty like i have like shitty internet you know like i actually still physically buy like blu-ray discs like (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) yeah i'm like i'm one of the few people who do that but but the quality is amazing because i have like a a, you know like a nice 4k tv and shit so i'd typically like sit down and just post up and watch like some like art house movie or you know or like uh wonder woman or something in 4k um you know, <laughs> like that um <laughs> i watched i do i do like watching just old movies like in like this high res and stuff like i think i watched heat last night um which is a sick okay. heat with like you know pacino yeah. and and de niro and all that shit and i'll watch uh, like oh yeah 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 yeah. the heist movie you know heat nice. um val kilmer and shit um i watched casino recently which is another one of my favorites um that movie is i can watch that movie fucking endlessly me too yeah yeah casino i put on any day and i love it because it's kind of crazy but it's also funny and it's got like just really good drama and shit yeah um so i end up watching a lot of shit like that myself to kind of pass the days but but i've also been super busy with work believe it or not like we're working from home but um i actually was given the I set up like a lab to continue doing some of the shit that I work on at my house. And um, so a lot of the stuff I do is hands on, but I have like this mini shop set up in my house. So I'm still really busy with stuff. Um, I think that's been keeping me a little bit sane. What's that? You're an engineer, right? Do you make flashlights? Yeah, I make flashlights. I basically test them all fucking day. That's, you know, I set up a lab. Like uh, basically, like a, <laughs> what do you call it? I set up a, a lab of glory holes, um, and I just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Fleshlight. This episode, by the way, is sponsored by Fleshlight. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was asked by Jesus before the show to shout out Fleshlight. Yes, Fleshlight and Corn sponsor. Corn Tour <laughs> <Yeah>. 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, what do you, what do you kind of, I mean, what do you, what do you think, um, how much, well, 
I don't know how, how I feel like New York has gotten a lot of like obviously it's 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 bared the brunt of this whole COVID thing, but it's also getting a lot of shine because like the Cuomo brothers are like stars now. You got like yeah. you know Andrew and Chris like on this time. It's, how do you think they've handled it, and how do you think other states like uh, your beautiful home state of Texas is handling it? Oh my god. <laughs> um, okay, well I will say that uh, te- you know no from a as a medical doctor. Um, you know, it's unsafe for people to be gathering in public. Uh, so I think any sort of suggestion of that in Texas is uh, poor form. Um, I think, uh, you know, from a public health perspective, you know, say, you know, I think Cuomo, you know, Cuomo's, uh, you know, his, his politics on incarceration and uh, um, just like, you know, drug laws and stuff like that, say what you will about that. I think, it's personally, you know, as a as a as a citizen, not as a doctor, uh, are problematic. But um, uh, he's been handling the coronavirus crisis quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, he's uh, had frank frank discussions, um, you know, on on TV daily, um, and uh, has really advocated for um, the state and this city, um, which is which is great, you know. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think people are, are using this time, unfortunately, as uh, kind of to, to clandestinely, um, you know, insert uh, kind of more draconian uh, laws uh, that you know target people of color um, disproportionately. But um, you know, they've otherwise been handling this this uh, crisis pretty well. Yeah. What about your your home governor? Uh, what's his name? Greg Abbott. These guys. Greg Abbott. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Greg Abbott. Uh, I think. Um, I think he's not. You know, unlike Cuomo, I don't. I don't know if he's um, really convinced by medical science. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really know what uh, what floats his boat, um, but I, I think he might be motivated by other things other than other than medicine. Um, which is unfortunate, you know. Yeah, I heard. I just heard from some of my Texas friends that they're they're going to start opening shit up in Fort Worth on Friday. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, that makes me worried for my grandfather um, and my other family there. So you know, I I pray to God, um, please stay indoors. <laughs> like everybody yeah. in Texas, everybody in the country, um, don't go outside. Yeah, 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 for sure. Dope, man. Well, I'll let you get back to masturbating um or, or doctoring Thanks, bro whatever you feel like doing today <laughs> not not hopefully not not at the same time um uh, not both at the same time um <laughs> what, what are we looking at here uh, with my cat nice that's a beautiful cat what's her name nopal nopal what's up nopal yeah man um Thanks for t- taking the time to talk to us. It's good to see you. I hadn't seen you in a few years, man. I was remembering the last time yeah. we hung out was like almost three years ago. We were in, lo- in in Boston and we had lobster rolls. We went and got lobster rolls. I'm oh, shit. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. So, because you were yeah, living man. in Boston at the time and I go to Andover like once once or twice a year for meetings for MS Squared or whatever. And uh, you uh, graciously yeah. let me crash your couch a few times. So I appreciate that. <laughs> we've got to get hopefully yeah, we can yeah. get back to some normal at some point and go get some lobster roll or something in new york or something but i have a feeling it's going to be a while Dude, man I'm, I'm really hoping so yeah yeah i know it's it really sucks it fucking sucks ass um 
By the way, I heard your cat pass recently. I'm sorry about that, Jesus. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fucking crazy, man, how shit happens. Like, I have these two cats who've been my, like, fucking my steady rocks, like, for the last year. I, I don't know if you heard, too, that I got separated and, like, getting divorced and all this shit. I don't know if Sammy's told you that shit. <laughs> oh, fuck, really? No, no, no. Yeah, dude. I've been going... Yeah, so that I kind of got I got set kind of I got separated a year ago and and so I've been living here by myself like legit by myself for a year. And we had we used to have four cats. We had four cats. So she took two of them and I kept two. And the two that I kept have been awesome and just kind of like my buddies here at the house and stuff. And so it was definitely really hard like last uh, it was like 2 weeks ago uh when my cat got hit by a car and shit. Now it's just crazy. It's like cuz totally unexpected like one moment they're with you yeah. every second of the day, you know. And then like the sec, the, then, then the, then the guy's like fucking dead. And it was just like, holy shit. Um, yeah, you know, they're like your family. Yeah. really. Yeah. Um, it's unreal. But yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, but yeah, man, we'll sure. see how long this thing drags out. And I mean, what, how, I mean, like realistically, this is going to like, everything I've heard is like basically like a year to two years because of the vaccine or whatever. What do you think on, on that? Just to close out with that. I mean, yeah, I had, Anything I say is going to be complete dog shit. I mean, I definitely, at, at least probably through the summer, um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I think 2021 is not unrealistic. It's so crazy to me, but that's, I think that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy that we're going to have to be living like this for a while. And yeah, I mean, you're on the front lines. You would know better than any of us. And like people like, you know, I think like you just have to be really smart. Obviously, like hopefully things will relax in some way. And, you know, you can maybe go get a haircut or something like that. But <laughs> yeah. you have to wear a mask. You're going to have to like, you know, wash your hands like crazy. And like they're going to have to put precautions in place and stuff. But yeah. certainly yeah. like don't don't be doing the, like these large gatherings or whatever where you could have like a serious fucking outbreak. I mean, that's a crazy thing too, is that I've heard of like simple things where like it's like a dinner party or like something and then like everyone gets it. Like it seems to be worse, like, you know, like, yeah. like it seems to be like stickier or like crazy <laughs> regular flu. I, or is that just kind of like, it seems like it because we hear about it and the regular flu yeah. does this too. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it's transmitted the same way as the flu. Um, there's droplets, uh, respiratory droplets. Yeah. I actually don't know the, the stats on transmission, but yeah, I mean, it seems extremely contagious. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, you guys are there in the middle of it. I mean, have you had coworkers catch it? I'm guessing you have, I don't know. Or like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We've had, you know, a lot of my co-residents have it, um, or have had it and, uh, you know, um, so they, they came out with, um, serologic testing which is uh, a blood test for antibodies to covid um, yeah. so they're offering that to, to the healthcare workers here um i actually tested negative uh yesterday oh wow so i you know yes which is actually kind of a bummer i was hoping i would test positive that way you know I would, that's that means i've been exposed and i'm now likely immune yeah um but uh but i mean you know it's, it's unclear like what the antibody test really means because even if you have antibodies it doesn't necessarily mean you're immune um but uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely people are getting sick. It's not good. Um, yeah. But yeah. our, our best efforts to stay safe. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, shit, man. Thanks for your time, man. And thanks for the work that you're doing out there. I, I'm, I'm proud of you too, young man. Young Doogie. Uh, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. what's dope thanks, is that, you know, I've been seeing like, 
you know, you and Sammy, like I'm a little bit older than you guys, obviously I'm like 10 or 12 years older than you. I'm like quite a bit older than you. Like, as like, I think I met you when you guys were in high school, like briefly and just yeah. like, Sammy, you know, and stuff. And like, it's been dope seeing you guys grow up and doing dope shit. And like, it's crazy to see like, um, you guys in these situations and handling them like adults and not dipshits, you know, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, stay safe out there. Um, you know, if you guys, if you need some more goggles or something, let me know, man, I'll send you some. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Thanks, bro. All, All right, dude. dude. Take it easy. I'll see you later. Guys, uh, this bonded podcast, number one Oh two brought to you from the mountains and from the streets of new york city uh please remember to fucking support your local health providers stay inside don't be idiots you know you can get drunk at home you can do everything you want to do at home just do it at home it really is not worth it right now and uh yeah man be safe out there remember to subscribe like this podcast share it with others if you want uh, them to hear about uh, this young doogie's experience And uh, yeah, man, we will catch you guys next week. Peace. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, Steve. I'll see you later. Yep. Bye.